You're listening to the Back to Basics podcast, designed to inform and inspire young people in their walk with Christ. Here's your host, Brittany Winkfield. Donjay Whitfield, actor, author, husband, and father, is using his platform to push men to become better men. Creator of the Manhood Tour, a global movement committed to awakening the consciousness of men, his objective is to give youth the keys to effective and impactful leadership. We caught up with him to talk about his book, Male vs. Man, How to Honor Women, Teach Children, and Elevate Men to Change the World. So, Dante, congratulations on the book. Thank you. Yes, I know you've been doing your rounds and um, just really getting the message out. Um, so I just want to uh, get some perspective and ask, uh, where were you in life 10 years ago? Wow. Uh, that's a pretty... Um that's a pretty big question. Um, <laughs> I would say, um, well, it made me 41. So I think, um, I was really about to, uh, I think I was sort of on the doorstep of figuring out, um, what I wanted to do with my purpose work. You know, many people, uh, I tell people, often that acting is my passion, but activation is my purpose. And, um, people really don't understand what that, what that means. And, um, the way I explain it to them is that my, you know, my, my passions serve me, you know, but my activation serves others. Mm. Um, my, you know, acting has been a great passion of mine for, you know, over 36 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of my many passions. Uh, scuba diving is a passion. Horseback riding is a passion. Golf is a passion. All those things are my passions, but none of them are my purpose. Um when God created me, his intention behind my creation was for me to be a man, and in my book I talk about how men look to be of service. Males look to be served while men look to be of service. So mm-hmm. my purpose in life is to be able to walk through my time on this earth um, being a servant leader, um, covering the women and children in my life and helping to elevate um the brothers that that also come into it. So um, I think I was sort of on the cusp, on the doorstep, if you will, um, of really um, being specific about what I what I would do with you know with my purpose work. Yes, that is powerful. And in the book, male versus man. Um, You have the tagline, how to honor women, teach children, and elevate men to change the world. Um, So, you know, as you fast forward to now, uh, we're living in this pandemic. Um, At the end of the year, um, 
did you ever imagine this plan for your life? Um, I really, I really did think that um, as I was, as I was really getting to the end of this, um, I was really getting clear about what God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got clear on it, um, I really didn't feel like it, it's it's very strange. Whenever I go through these these times in my life, mm-hmm. like when uh, just before I got the Cosby Show, uh, before I got you know all my children or or Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Any of these things, whenever something significant was about to happen to me, there was always a a, a eerie space of calm and clarity mm-hmm. that would come over me. Like, not even like, okay, this is possible or this could happen. Like, this already has happened. I just need you to be a good steward of it. Mm-hmm. Um. I know that sounds a little strange, but, and that's why I use the word eerie because it was so clear to me and I would become so calm where people around me would go, well, what do you think? What do you think? I'm like, relax, that's already done. Um, and even at the tender age of 15. So to answer your question, really, I think, yeah, I did, I saw all of this. Mm. Um, and, and I see more, I see more of it. Like I, I, you know, um, I was being interviewed, you know, by some folks about who are, um, interested in producing my television show as a, as a host. Mm-hmm. And they said, how do you see yourself? And I said, well, I know this sounds crazy to many people, and I can understand why. I said, but, you know, when Oprah Winfrey left the the airwaves as a host, she left the market um, at a deficit. People were looking for someone that they could sit down uh, with every day, trust, Mm -hmm. laugh, cry, grow, learn, all of those things, and really, there never really has been someone that that sort of f- checked that box or filled that void. Mm-hmm. And I think many people are looking for the second coming of that, not the second coming of Oprah, because that's never going to happen. Um, there's only one Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. But the second coming of someone who fills the void of having a broader audience mm-hmm. that trusts someone like that. And the problem is, is that our society is looking for it to be a woman mm. because they think, you know, well, we had it in Oprah and she was a woman and we don't trust very many men 
because they think that men are men. They think that those males are men and don't know the difference. So everyone is looking for it to come in the form of a woman. But in these times during this Me Too movement and Time's Up era, it is absolutely ordained that that next voice come from a man. Mm. Because a man has to bring repair for what has been otherwise been in disrepair. Mm. So um, I really feel like that is my calling. Mm-hmm. I absolutely am in much calm and much clarity about the fact that that is um, that's my next step. Yeah, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah, tell me. I would love to hear more about this show and just what what goals you have for your work. Yeah, I you know honestly just all of those aforementioned things. Just you know really being able to be. You know, I was talking to a, uh, I did a, a national um, Zoom call with um, um, the uh, PAL, National PAL, Police Athletic League, um, for youth. And, um, and last night they had a bunch of the youth ask, you know, people like myself and, and their um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, um, even the police chief from Atlanta, because they were doing it, you know, um, via or from Atlanta, and so they were using the the youth from that specific chapter, PAL chapter in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was asked um, was, you know, how do you continue to uh, bridge a gap? for people during this time. And I said, language. In my book, I talk about the fact that there are two different types of language. They either fall in the category of protein, which is something that builds you up, or kerosene, which is something that burns you down. And I have learned how to empathetically approach conversations with people that I have a great anger or disdain for. Hmm. My father and I were estranged from each other for 20 years. Wow. At the age of 26, while I was on uh, all my children, I threatened my biological father bodily harm if I ever saw him again. Hmm. So until the age of 46, when my daughter came and sat down next to me and said, you know, Dad, do you know where your father is? Mm-hmm. I had no desire to reconcile with him at all. Mm-hmm. But I realized that as a father, I was teaching my children, despite the fact that I was saying, you know, give people grace. Um, forgive people. You know, have empathy for them. Um, that I was teaching them, give Everyone, all of those things, except one person who you deem unworthy. And I knew that I was going to have to reconcile in order to be able to show my children the right way to go about life. Mm. And at that point, I had so much anger, which really is profound hurt, 
there was so much anger that I had been harboring towards my father for a number of years at the age of six. Uh, he kidnapped me yeah, at the age of 12. He sort of effectively taught me how to be a cheater. Mm. There were so many different things that my father taught me that arrested my development as a man. Mm-hmm. So I had a great disdain for him. And the thing that got me across the finish line of forgiveness was instead of thinking of my father as the 70-year-old version of himself that actively abandoned me, I started thinking of my father as the seven-year-old version of himself that never got what he needed in order to matriculate into manhood. Wow. And when I thought of him that way, there was an innocence about him that was restored to seeing him through the filter of his childhood and likewise being abandoned like I was abandoned. So in other words, my father couldn't be the father that I needed to be. I needed him to be because he himself was unfathered. So we suffered from the same deficit. Mm-hmm. The two of us needed the same supplement. And I realized, I said, wow, you know, as I was reconciling with my father and listening to him, I was like, that's me. The way he talks, mm-hmm. the way he um, processes, you know, certain thoughts and puts them together and all of those things, That that is me. And I said, you know, my father would have become a great man had he had great information and instruction. So when I decided to write male versus man, I decided to write male versus man in order to honor my father as a child. Mm. If he had had that information and instruction, he would have become the man that he should have become mm-hmm. and become the father that I needed him to be. And beyond that, I wrote it because if God calls me home before I anticipate, I need for my son to have a playbook for manhood that would stand in my stead so that he has the information that he needs to matriculate into manhood. Um, And so in talking to, I say all that to say, in talking to those kids last night, in learning that lesson of being mm-hmm. able to have a conversation with someone who you have great anger towards or great disdain for, mm-hmm. I was teaching them last night how to make your adversary your ally mm. by using protein language and not kerosene language, you know, and giving them understanding and wisdom. You know, we feel like as black people, we feel like we have the, the, the market cornered on pain. And the truth of the matter is, is that we don't. There are a great many people on this earth that go through different types of pain, but pain nonetheless. And our white brothers and sisters, and I use those two words, brothers and sisters, um, with great intention because... Mm-hmm. They are our brothers and sisters. Many of them just don't know it. Mm. Um, 
And what we have to do is we have to awaken their consciousness. When James Brown said that, you know, his song uh, was, you know, I'm black and I'm proud, he wasn't talking about color. He was talking about consciousness. Because mm. black people, we are not a monolith, right? So our our hue comes in a great spectrum. The darkest of the dark darks to the lightest of the lights. Right? So he wasn't talking about color. He was talking about consciousness. Right? Mm. If we look at all the protests during these past, uh, these particularly these past two years, mm-hmm. if we look very carefully at those protests, there are a lot of brothers and sisters who happen to be white who are out there protesting with us, yeah. for us, right? That's consciousness. I choose, I, t- I, I teach my children that we don't choose our friends because of color. We choose our friends because of consciousness. Yeah. It's, it's not just, it's not enough to say, oh, this is my friend because he shares my hue. Does he share your humanity? He shares your color. Does he share your consciousness? Right? So all of those things play a part in us bridging the gap and turning our adversaries into our allies by giving them certain things that they are missing in order for them to be able to better see us. There are a lot of things that we are missing as black people for us to better see some of our white brothers and sisters because at face value we like, Demon, devil, crap, you know, all of those words that we use to describe the wretchedness of some of those that are absolutely, uh, have been deserved based on their actions, but we're also throwing away the baby with the bathwater. There are many of our white brothers and sisters who are, who see us, have our consciousness, and are fighting for us, and we never even invite them in because we're so in pain behind those that share their color but don't share their consciousness. Yeah. Well, that is, you said so much. That's some great, great insight. And I just love, as you speak about the youth, even even your children, um, you know, our mission is to inform and inspire young people in their walk with Christ. And so my final question to you is just, do you have faith in the next generation? And if so, why? Yeah, I have, I, I have faith um, in the next generation because I have faith in, um, in my generation. Um, I have faith that my generation is going to... Um, be awakened and rise to the occasion and give the next generation um, the information and instruction that they need in order for them to be everything that they were intended to be when they were created. Mm-hmm. I have a 16-year-old daughter. I've got an 11-year-old son. I'm extremely invested in um, in that generation mm-hmm. because... I think that they see the investment in color 
as a complete waste of time. They have friends that are across the spectrum in terms of color. Um, many of that particular, uh, that generation looks very interesting because um, they are so many different things. They actually are a melting pot of color. So it's extremely difficult for them to be able to say, you're bad because you're this color or you're that color when they happen to be a, a vast array of colors themselves. So that particular generation is recognizing that they have been sold a horrible bill of goods and that the information that they have been given about people just strictly based on color is false. And they have to understand where someone comes from, you know, what's your, you know, what's your political stance? What's your, you know, your, your, your social stance? I couldn't care less about how you show up in a color. What I do care about is your heart. I care about your consciousness. I care about your political views that affect me and, and, and people who come from my family. Right. So, yeah, I have a great faith in this generation because I know that they feel like they have been bamboozled about this whole color thing because it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. I want to know where you stand on the things that affect me and people who look like me. So, yeah, I have a great faith in that. Excellent. And is there anything else you want to leave with our readers that we haven't covered? Maybe um, just how you get back to basics in your walk with Christ or just some practical tips and tools on how to stay connected to God? You, you know, my connection really is staying connected to my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, my passions can allow me to become a jerk. Um, because my passions, again, serve me. So when I'm in the practice of constantly serving me, then I move away from Christ himself, because Christ was about the service of others. Mm. When I'm focused on my passions, I'm focused on me. Christ Mm -hmm. was focused on everyone else. So when I stay focused on my purpose, then I'm walking a Christ-like life because purpose serves others. Christ serves others. So when I want to get closer to Christ and when I want to be more Christ-like, I just simply have to focus on my purpose. Yeah. So good. It's so clear. (laughs) Thank you. Very good. Well, thank you. And is there any uh, other projects that we can be on the lookout for? Yeah, book number two. Um, and it is uh, such a, it's a relationship book. I've been partnering with my wife for 23 years, been married for 18 years, and I tell people all the time I have a, a wife of 18 years and a girlfriend of 23 years. Um, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and out of that, partnership, out of that journey, 
and out of my uh, my work as a marriage coach um, has birthed this book called The Hero and the Herd. Um, every man needs to feel like the hero of his house, mm-hmm. and every woman needs to feel heard. And when one of those is out of place, when a, a man doesn't feel like the hero of his house, and a woman doesn't feel heard, there's going to be trouble. Mm. So the book is going to be dynamic. It is going to um, turn on people's lights. Um, I and one of the things that I I cover in um, that I'm going to be covering in my introduction uh, of the book um, is that the book won't be as uh, you know verse laden uh, as male versus man was because mm-hmm. what I want to give to people is you know like the Bible tells us you know faith without works is dead well a marriage without works is dead a relationship without works is dead mm-hmm. so we can't pray away a bad marriage. We got to work away a bad marriage. We have to get information and instruction that allows us to to show up the way we need to show up. God is always going to be at the center in order to give us clarity and strength. But many of us pray to God like he's a magician. Mm. Like, I want you to snap this away. I want you to give me success. I want you to uh, give me a, a great marriage. I want you to, you know, make me a good person, right? And that's presto changeo. That's pulling a rabbit out of a hat. God is not David Blaine or David Copperfield. He doesn't work like that, <laughs> right? So as a parent, I'm a father of two. God is the, our ultimate parent. The ultimate parent wants you to do what you can do, what you are capable of doing. God does what you are incapable of doing. Mm -hmm. But the things that you can do, you must do because that is how you grow. And as the ultimate parent, God allows us. That's why we have free will. Mm -hmm. Because God allows us to grow ourselves. The things that we can't change, the things that we can't uh, improve on or influence, God handles that part. But the things that we absolutely can do, God will require us to do it. We have to be stewards of this life. Mm-hmm. So this book is really going to give folks the information and instruction that they need and I am impressing upon them that you cannot pray away this bad relationship that you're in. You're going to have to get this information and you're going to have to do something. God is a doer Mm -hmm. and as his children he's requiring us to do also. Well, we cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to that. And I'm, I'm excited really, about it. Yeah. 
really enjoyed the conversation. We've covered a lot just in a short time. <laughs> thank you again for your time and, and I'll wait for the story to get out. Love it. Yeah. Can't wait. We'll uh we'll have to pick this up when uh when it comes out. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Back to Basics podcast. If you haven't already, rate, subscribe, and follow at backtobasicsmag.com.